Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We've got Phil Savage joining us now. Uh, guy's got a, a million jobs, and he's great at all of them. Uh, Alabama Crimson Tide, radio analyst, senior bowl executive, former NFL GM. Phil, good morning. Thanks for joining us. How are you? Good morning, guys. That's the way Alabama is with the pastries down here in the SEC. <laughs> this is true. Yeah, I'm surprised that uh, Nick Saban lets you do any of these interviews, you know, because we're rat poison to that team, you know, and we're going to be talking uh, highly about Alabama, and he's not going to like it. No, you guys are just glue traps. That's all. <laughs> uh, I mean, I feel like we have you on at some point during the college football season, middle of the season, or maybe towards the end, and I, I always end up asking you the same thing about weaknesses with this team because you really can't find any. Now, you're watching every single play. Uh, I know there's probably not a weakness that you could say, but – uh, is there something that if you're game planning against this team, you look to exploit because maybe it's not as great as some of the other aspects of this team? Well, let's start with kind of something smaller. They've had problems on their punt returns. They've they've rifled through three different return men. They've all fumbled the ball or muffed the punt or what have you, and that's been a bit of a frustration for them because obviously they force a lot of punts on defense, but I still think the overriding crux of the Alabama season is going to be the continued development of Jalen Hurts, not as a dual-threat quarterback. He's sensational in that regard, maybe the best in the country, but in becoming a complete quarterback because when Bama's behind the chains at third and nine, third and 11, like most teams, they're not quite as efficient, and Washington and Clemson last year in the playoffs, they were able to put Alabama in that situation, and they got bogged down offensively some in both of those games. And really, ultimately, this is what cost them the national championship. They were only 2-15 for 15 on third down in that last game. And I think that's something that they have been cognizant of this entire offseason and through these first eight games because uh, Hertz has definitely made strides in that regard. Yeah, that is something we're all looking with Brian Dable taking over, looking to see if uh, the passing game is going to pick up and, and, and progress. But they really haven't been in those stressful situations. Now, the Texas A&M game a couple weeks ago, there were some moments in there. A&M looked, like, looked apart as a team that has grown, and they were able to hang in there uh, for the four quarters, which you have to do if you're going to have any chance of beating Bama. Do you feel like that provided enough stress on this football team to where they learned a lot about themselves? Well, that game was 24-3 and was on the verge of getting ready to go 31-3, perhaps. And Bama lost a little bit of focus. They had a penalty, a drop pass, then a fumble. That was their first turnover in like 38 quarters. And that seemed to 
give A&M some life. They rallied up. I think you give A&M a lot of credit. They are probably the most improved team in the SEC going back to the opening weekend. But I think what it did, Brian, it gave the coaching staff a chance to say, okay, we won, but here's all the problems that happened in the fourth quarter because they came back again for the last two games and dominated both Arkansas and Tennessee. And, of course, last weekend – you know, it was 45-7 to seven in the fourth quarter. Tennessee gets the football down inside the one. First and goal, essentially, at the one. Bama turns them away. And a full stadium, essentially, the sideline, the players, the coaches, everyone wearing crimson celebrated like they just won the national championship. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how intent all of it is surrounding Alabama football. I mean, it was a joyous celebration with a fourth down stop up 45 to 7 in the middle of the fourth quarter. Gio and Jones with Phil Savage across the country on CBS Sports Radio. Uh, When you look around the rest of the SEC, we know Georgia has been really, really good uh, in the other half of it, but is there a team right now? I mean, I know that Brian was very high on Auburn. They have disappointed him to this point is is there anybody that you have your eye on at this point that you can see getting better and could be a a threat at some point well of course lsu has won three games in a row within the league they've got a week off uh, saturday before they come up to tuscaloosa next next weekend mississippi state and texas a&m play this week and that arguably depending on what happens with auburn down the stretch that arguably could be for third, for the third best team in the SEC, uh, perhaps. I think one thing that's happened, guys, and, and this is related to my Reese's Senior Bowl work, is that I don't have the raw number, but I, I think that there's probably a tendency for the SEC and, and the southeastern footprint, so to speak, to lose more juniors, more underclassmen than most of the rest of the country because – if you looked at our top 150 players for the Senior Bowl, probably 100 of them are from other parts of the country outside of the, the Southeast, outside of the Sun Belt. Very few programs can continue to withstand losing juniors. Ohio State has been able to do it to a degree. Alabama's been able to do it to a degree. But what happens is, you lose players on your depth chart that you're counting on having for four years, all of a sudden you're having to push younger players out there that are not ready, or you're having to play older players that you didn't think were good enough to begin with. And I think that's kind of an overriding theme when you look at the Southeastern Conference right now because there's no question uh, it appears to be Bama and Georgia on a collision course and everyone else seems to be just treading water right now. Yeah, and speaking of that, you saw one that's definitely treading, and, and that's Butch Jones and the Tennessee Volunteers this past weekend. Uh, what are your thoughts on that program? Because they've recruited well. I, I received a text uh, a couple of days ago from a former player uh, there at Tennessee, and, and he felt like the uh, this team was lost three years ago, and, and, and they're just now seeing the fruits of the multiple recruiting classes uh, and 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 seeing them fall apart is, is is what he attested to, and he thinks you know when you coach at Tennessee or any SEC school, you have to know the history of the conference and by either playing or coaching in it. And he was on the sideline for that Georgia debacle, and he just felt like this team had no will to be great. 
Uh, what did you see from your vantage point as far as Tennessee is concerned? Well, as far as the individual game, you know, last Saturday they 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 fought for a quarter and a half. They they really did. They, I thought they had a nice plan early defensively, especially. But I think what's really happened. This is just my own opinion from afar. When Mike Bajakian was the offensive coordinator, he followed Butch Jones down to Knoxville. He left about three years ago to go to Tampa Bay and coach in the NFL, obviously with Dirk Cutter and Jameis Winston and that group. So then they had Mike DeBoard as a coordinator who really wasn't as familiar with Butch Jones' system that he had brought from Central Michigan to Cincinnati to Tennessee. Then they the board goes to Tennessee, they bring in Larry Scott, the former interim coach at Miami. He he's never called plays, much less gone under the hood, so to speak, to fix this offense. And so I think part of the issue in my mind is that there's been staff turnover, especially on the offensive side of things. And you combine that with the fact that Josh Dobbs, three and a half year start at quarterback Plus, Alvin Kamara, junior running back. Josh Malone, junior receiver. Both take off. And Jawan Jennings, their best player coming into this year offensively, gets hurt the first game. There's a reason why they've, they've struggled on that side of the ball. Gio and Jones with Phil Savage on CBS Sports Radio. The Browns are back in the news again because it's a, another year where they don't look like they're going anywhere and you have Carson Wentz doing what he's doing, Deshaun Watson doing what he's doing. They passed on both of those quarterbacks. They have their own issues at quarterback. Uh, you were the general manager when they had a 10-6 and six season back in 2007, uh, and then 4-12 and 12 after that, and then you moved on. Uh, but why is it that this team continues to put up some of the most futile records that the NFL has seen year in and year out with – all the draft picks that they have accumulated. Yeah, I certainly lived at uh, 05 to 08, and I mean, those seem like glory days now, averaging six wins a season uh, based on what's happened over the last decade. It's just been too much turnover, too many philosophies, two, two years here, three years there, and of course now they're in this situation where not only have they not solved the quarterback riddle, but Carson Wentz looks like the potential MVP of the league. Deshaun Watson's taken the NFL by storm as a rookie. They they essentially had both of those players in their hands if they wanted those quarterbacks. They decided to to try to build the team through multiple draft picks. And I think if you know if I were going to say something critical of the current regime is that. To me, when they drafted Deshaun Kaiser, if you if you felt like he was the answer, you either had to redshirt him because he was very young coming out of Notre Dame, or if you are going to play him, it doesn't matter what the results are, you're going to let him learn on the job. And, of course, they've now pulled him out on two different occasions, once for Kevin Hogan, now twice for Cody Kessler. I think it's very confusing not only for the fans, but for the for the players themselves in terms of what direction are we going at the quarterback position. So is Mika Fitzpatrick going to be their number one pick this next draft? <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, I tell you what, he's he's a bit like a Miles Garrett in that he probably uh, couldn't go wrong with Minka. Although I would say this, Minka's so versatile. He can yeah. play corner, he can play safety, nickel nickel corner, dime linebacker, and you know that that reminds me that probably the story of Alabama's team and Brian, you follow the S closely has been the emergence of the walk-on left corner Levi Wallace. Yes. He's a senior. Yep. That whole junior conundrum where guys are leaving early just about caught up to Alabama at the cornerback position over the years. This this season, one of the younger guys not quite ready to play. They turn to the senior walk-on. Levi Wallace has been the SEC Defensive Player of the Week two games ago. He's got three interceptions, multiple sacks. He's played extremely well, and that has allowed Bama to move Minka Fitzpatrick around to all those different positions. Phil, thanks for the time. As always, we appreciate it. I'm sure we'll talk to you down the road. It's always enjoyable for us. We hope it is for you as well. Guys, I appreciate it. I wrote a book called Fourth and Goal Every Day. Really well, say that again. You broke up a little bit. The how and the why. Well, say, won so much there. Say, say, say that again one more time because you broke up a little bit. I want to make sure you get the plug. Oh, I said I, I released a book about a month ago called Fourth and Goal Every Day. And whether you're a college fan or Bama fan or even a pro football fan, it really goes into the details of how teams and why teams win. And specific to Alabama, they've dominated the scene really for the last decade. Fourth and goal every day. Check it out. Phil Savage, we love you. Talk to you soon. Thanks, man. Appreciate it, guys. Y'all have a great weekend. Thank you. you. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.